1: We got a crazy in the, in the show this week, Matthew, and um, no one
2: seems to really care. Actually, I think we might have two.
0: Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes, number 251, The Man Who Destroyed the Universe. Published May 1979. Written by Jim Starlin as Steve Apollo on story. With Paul Levitz on words. Art, Jim Starlin as Steve Apollo. Synopsis. The Legion faces one of their own gone mad.
1: We are in 251, the man who destroyed the universe. (laughs) And we are, we have come to the realization that Brainiac 5 has gone insane and he has created Omega, the thing that will destroy the universe, all because he doesn't... Yes, all because he doesn't believe he's getting enough recognition or prizes or gifts for all of his hard work. Which I I should point out, and I know our faithful Legion Clubhouse members already know this, but there was a time a long time ago... When everybody came and was like, Legionnaires, we want to give you all of these presents and prizes and all these wonderful gifts for all the wonderful things that you, the Legion of Superheroes, do. And they're like, yeah, we really can't do that. We can't accept these kind of gifts or awards or alkalades. And uh, I think Brainiac in his in his fugue state has forgotten that entire issue from like 20 years ago.
2: And there's also, you know, they do mention that he has some issues with the strain of the last several months. You know, I mean, the whole Pulsar Stargrave nonsense, the entire Earth War saga. I can kind of understand Brainiac, you know, flipping out. But I agree with you. It's weird that he's like, no one is paying me the proper due. I deserve more. They owe me a debt of gratitude. I'm like, really?
1: Yeah, I think Brainiac's greatest flaw is really apparent here. And that's his ego. His ego is the thing that's constantly getting him in trouble and will continue to get him in trouble uh, for years to come.
2: Yeah. But you also, you know, going back to his earliest appearances, sometimes it's easy to forget that his whole deal at the beginning was trying to atone for his great, great, great grandfather's villainy.
1: Yes, by becoming a villain himself. Way to go, Brainiac 5.
2: stop it. He spent 20 years as a hero. Then, you know, he he had an issue. He has a mental illness at this point. You can't necessarily beat him up too much for it, but you also have to look at... He wants to destroy the universe. No, he wants to rule the universe. That's different. He's like, I want to rule the universe. Now... Granted, he's willing to destroy it if they don't let him rule it, which, you know, that's that's the part where you go a little too far. But just saying I'm a genius and I should rule or I should be in charge. Not necessarily, you know, an adult sentiment, but not necessarily one that you don't necessarily sometimes feel. It's his
1: ego. It's his ego. That's that's driving all of that. Oh, Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's the that's the bottom line. And that goes back to my point of his greatest flaw is his ego we it does it's not discussed in in 251 but it is kind of brought up in 252 um that maybe we'll get to then but you know they basically are letting him walk around like there's no problem
2: it and- is a little odd i'm not sure why and i kind of get the feeling that you know as we mentioned last time around oh, incredibly no wait that's a different show but as we mentioned last time around this story is being presented in a different order yeah. than it was actually written.
1: Yeah. One you of know, the things that, that I had mentioned in the last episode, I said, I would love to get my hands on the um, the original script for this. And uh, I think it was the Legion Omnicon uh, reached out and said, well, Paul Levitt said that he doesn't have a copy of the script anymore. He threw it away or got rid of it or something. Mm-hmm. So Jim Shooter is probably the only person who has... A copy of this of the I'm sorry, Starlin probably has a copy of that. And that probably means that the script no longer is in existence.
2: I would agree. And, you know, when uh, it was in the Legion Companion, if you remember the Legion Companion, it's a really great book. I recommend it. Um, The writer of this issue or rather the person who tore this issue up and put it all back together. uh, Paul Levitz actually said that they recreated the story they threw out about half the pages. Right. It's like, yeah, I can definitely see it, you know, which is why when you ask yourself, Hey, what happened to this cool, uh, Steve Apollo guy, because he draws a really good Legion and a really good insane brainiac five. He never comes back to the Legion, man. It's a bummer.
1: Well, and and we've talked about this before. I can totally understand that if you, if you, uh, think that you are so great and you don't like being edited uh, then, you know, maybe that's not the gig for you. It's a shame, but it, it just feels like, well, I'm leaving because you didn't uh, do the story the way that I wanted and you made a bunch of changes. You are the editor. I think that uh, that's, again, a lot of sour grapes, uh, but I can totally understand why he would say, you know, you really, you know, ruined the the whole plot of, of my story or the whole point of my story. Um, and so I'm not going to work on The Legion ever again. And that's, you know, that's totally a, a justification for that.
2: But when we really get right down to it, this issue doesn't make a lot of sense.
1: Uh, it doesn't. Um, <laughs> I mean, you have Omega stomping through the universe apparently faster than light because that's how he's going to cross the entire universe in a couple of, yes. of pages. Uh, and then somehow he goes from being big down to being uh, normal sized. And then there's some really cool panels where Colossal Boy tries to step on him. It's like, I'm going to scrunch you like a cockroach. And then Omega like throws him into a building. And I will say that I do like the Colossal Boy sequence where he's trying to step on Omega and then he falls back. There's a huge page that's covered with some um, panels in the foreground, but you just see him crashing into a large portion of uh, of Metropolis, which I, you know, we could have a whole conversation on Are superheroes more dangerous than the villains. And I think in the case of the Legion of Superheroes, they tend to do a crap ton of damage. Like, um, Colossal Boy wipes out, like, five city blocks. That's billions and billions of credits worth of damage. And who knows, they say later on that no one's life was lost. Uh, But come on, in those five city blocks, I doubt that they were able to clear that out fast enough. There's some dead bodies in those buildings. No, there aren't.
2: Remember, we just got out of the Earth War. That area was being rebuilt after the Kund attacked.
1: Yeah, yeah I, and I'm sure there really, were no people working on on building that. So let's let's correct. just say that no people That's were. True. Let's just say that no people were killed and we'll give a nod and a wink to the audience, just like Clark Kent always did. Whenever Lois Lane would say someday, I'm going to find out who Superman is. And Clark would just look at the at the reader breaking the fourth wall and give him a wink. Yeah, we'll, we'll uh, say that about about the people dying in, in this issue.
2: Nobody died in this issue.
1: Yeah, well, let, let's just say that. Let's, I, yes, I will. I, I'm giving you that wink right now, uh, dear listener. I'm giving you that wink through the fourth wall. Yes, nobody died in this issue. Uh, there, are some other, there are some other things as far as art goes. Art is, you know, I, I like the art in this issue, I think it's fine. But I think that th- we're seeing something that I think started in over on Marvel and maybe even more so with Jack Kirby. And kind of has filtered its way through Marvel and then when Starlin comes over to do Legion of Superheroes, we see it happening here where we get these extreme poses uh, for for actions like there's a a page where uh, Omega is punching Dawnstar and he is punching her straight up so much so that his elbow is almost past his head and his back is arched so much that if he, uh, he really should be falling over from the, uh, from the way that he's punching the, and if he's got any kind of momentum going with that punch. And then we have Dawnstar like splayed out with her arms, totally outstretched. Um, It looks good from a pose perspective when it comes to how, you know, the design and making it easy, easily recognizable. But the problem is, it's so unrealistic in in its execution. I mean, if it were if it were real life, that that would you know Omega would have fallen on his butt and said, "Whoops, my bad." Let me get up now and go smash. Uh, is just it's just kind of silly in that way because you go on to the next page and you see Ultra Boy taking a punch at Omega, and that one is a little bit calmer than the previous punch.
2: Yeah, I do like the fact that we get to see Ultra Boy being a little bit more creative with his powers here. You know, leaping with the super speed, and then having to shift quickly. But even that Ultra Boy punch is you know wild and crazy. And that's Starlin. I mean, yeah, Starlin. But uh, that's why I said I really think that he... Gil Kane-inspired pencils, where you know he will exaggerate things beyond human possibility. Yeah, yeah, and I, yeah. I really kind of like that. Actually, it, I feel like that it
1: works. It works. And it's, it's got its place in time and it feels like this is the place in time for those poses. I think today it would be middle of the bronze age. Yeah. It would, it would feel very weird to see that today.
2: I feel we, you know, we kind of do though. I mean, we, you will see artists. Ed McGinnis is one who really over-exaggerates and I know Liefeld is still out there. You know, there are a couple of guys over at D.C., Uh, who are doing um, like a Superman book, I want to say, and I can't remember his name now. My brain says Ivan Rice, but I know that that's wrong, where you do have that exaggerated style. And I always like it. I feel like when it comes especially to these comics, reality is overrated. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. You know, we complain sometimes when you get a book that feels like people are too stiff and too posed. And then you get the shot of Omega doing that amazing, you know, weird kickback with his freaky toenails and everything. Right. I'd rather see that than see something that looks like it was, you know, drawn from life. So
1: Right. So the contrast that I would say I would agree with you, I would rather see this than, oh, listeners can go back in. It was probably in the 50s somewhere where I was complaining about they had a bunch of like action figure dolls and they just threw them up in the air and arms and legs are all bent out of joint you know in in 50 <laughs> different directions and it's like well that doesn't look realistic at all. Uh I would rather have these these over exaggerated moves than than something that looks like a rag doll tossed around. But again going back to the point is realistically none of those actions would would happen. Uh but from an art perspective so that you can really see the power so that you can really See some dynamic motion in a still image. I think it works, but realistically, Omega would have fallen on his butt when he when he threw that punch.
2: And there, there's no way that Bart Allen would have feet that big. So yeah, exactly.
1: No, Jesus. but see, there's a yes. That's that's perfect. That's a perfect example, right? So Umberto Ramos, when he drew when his characters, he's usually got you know big hair and big eyes. You know, he's got that anime style going on, and they usually have big hands and big feet. And so when he was doing the Impulse series for uh, DC Comics, he drew. Uh, you know, the the ladies with big basketball um cut in half breasts <laughs> and little tiny waists and big eyes. And and here's Bart Allen with his giant hair and his and his feet that are, you know, bigger than anything else. And really all the characters, you know, look at Max Mercury was the same way. Right. And that is Umberto Ramos's style, just like Jim Starlin's style here is Jim Starlin's style. The problem is, everyone just assumed that because Umberto Ramos style had Bart with big feet that that meant that Bart Allen has these really giant feet and no matter how many times Humberto Ramos says no stop it people keep doing it and it and it and it looks goofy and dumb and I think when too many people try to do some of the things that we're seeing here which as you said is a very bronze age uh, very bronze age uh, action poses right I think it looks a little weird when you do it uh, in modern times
2: Mm. You know, and that—that that is one of the things that the Legion Clubhouse does want to look at is, would this still fly? I feel like it could, but I do agree with you that there are some moments in here that are 1979 and would not fly. Mm-hmm. Um, the moment that really sticks out for me is the three-quarter page of Omega busting into a room to find another Omega. Yeah, yeah. And they're so huge that both Omegas are weirdly clipped. And one of them is kind of off-center, and I'm just like, Jim. And then I realize, I wonder if it wasn't a situation where they literally cut the art down from a double page Uh, or from a larger image to stick it back together.
1: Probably not, is my guess.
2: Well, they said that they, they did cut the issue up. And there is a point in 251 where you see Karate Kid and Brainiac 5. And uh, Timberwolf enter a room, right? And then Karate Kid literally turns into Starboy. You see Karate Kid step in, and then they go through the door, and all of a sudden it's Starboy and Timberwolf. And I'm like, "Whoa, is that actually Chameleon Boy?"
1: Well, no. So uh, I'm looking on. I'm looking on the page. So I see up the first panel. I see Timberwolf and Starboy going into a room.
2: Look at the previous last panel. The previous. Oh, page. Oh,
1: on the previous page. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, Karate Kid. Yeah.
2: Yep. And then he just sort of disappears and then of course, poor matter eater lad. Poor matter eater lad.
1: Yeah, so um, here's the thing.
2: Get me matter eater lad. Explain
1: to me so matter eater lad can eat anything. But does that right. mean his jaws are strong enough to bite through anything? Like yes. um inertron, can he bite through a inertron?
2: Yes. We've seen him bite through a inertron.
1: Okay. The next question that I have is why does the Miracle Machine rely on, oh, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Brainiac uh, 5 in his attempt to take over the universe or destroy it, you know, take your pick, um, without killing anyone in this issue. <laughs> he, uh, he used the Miracle Machine to wish for something that could end all existence or at least destroy the Legion of Superheroes. To and, create Omega, basically. Right. And so his solution is that if someone eats the Miracle Machine, it will end Omega and make Omega disappear. That doesn't sound quite right, does it? I mean, uh, it, it's then, almost <laughs> like if you kill the genie, it doesn't mean that the genie's ma- all the things that the genie has done goes away. Those things have already happened.
2: Actually, so, I think it does mean that.
1: Does it? All right. Because yeah. that's that's something that I would not do in my genie fiction. You know, if you you can <laughs> unwish something. And I don't know why Brainiac just doesn't unwish everything. Is he only allowed one wish and he already used up his wish, so therefore no one else in the entire Legion of Superheroes can wish that Omega goes away? Uh, I'm a little confused on that.
2: Imagine that Omega is um, electricity, essentially and the miracle machine is the transformer that's sending the electricity through whatever medium it's sending it through if you destroy the transformer yes, I, I, I it's stops get that sending part. the electricity
1: but why can't anyone else what? why can't anyone else just wish that omega goes away it is the miracle machine
2: well i don't know we should ask steve apollo
1: Yeah. See that
2: doesn't doesn't exist.
1: That doesn't make any sense. Oh, yeah. See, I made a a miracle machine wish. I said, oh, man, I wish Steve Apollo would go away and we'd never hear from Steve Apollo ever again in comics or ever see his name ever again in comics. And I guess my wish happened.
2: What's really interesting, I think, about the miracle machine uh, is we don't ever
1: see it on panel at all in this entire three arc issue.
2: No, because the miracle machine—it probably wasn't part of the actual story. Uh, no, the miracle machine, way way back in 1968, yeah, was used to build the New Legion headquarters, which was it is destroyed. Yeah, was it's destroyed in this issue by wildfire in a last-ditch attempt to uh, destroy Omega. So Omega, created by the miracle machine. The Miracle Machine and the Legion headquarters came in in the same issue, and they go out in this same issue. Eleven mm. years
1: later, That's I coming. thought I thought that the city um, at one point that got destroyed, and so the city was rebuilding it. And there was a whole a whole discussion about uh, some the construction workers came
2: together and they wished their new headquarters into existence mm. with the Miracle Machine. Okay, and then they locked it away in Inertron.
1: Yeah, have we talked about Kirby Kirby Crackle before?
2: I don't know that we have on this show because there really hasn't been any. I mean, Jack Kirby did not work on the Legion.
1: No, he didn't. But one of the things that he was a big influence on his was this idea of Kirby dots or Kirby crackle, which may go all the way back to 1940 in Kirby and Simon's Blue Bolt number five. But essentially, in my understanding of this, and I can't see anything. um uh, listed specifically, but I do remember one of the things that I read about with Kirby Crackle is that Kirby at some point had seen a photograph of a, tom, a of an atom or something that was was captured, and mm-hmm. you know looking at the at the at the fuzzy field and everything, and so in his attempt to kind of recreate that energy that he kind of felt was all around uh, the the energy source that he was looking at, maybe it's a quasar. That's what it was, a quasar. He started doing all these little circles, these black dots, to emulate. Uh, to Im- it, so again, imagine like you said, electricity. Imagine electricity shooting out a big old bolt arc of electricity. Well, to really get that fractal pattern, that bendy weird pattern that goes on around the lightning, he would put all this black space, all this negative space, which he did by creating a bunch of circles, which yep. caused the the positive space. I guess is the the light area or the white area of the page. To look like a bolt of electricity that was shooting off in a million different directions and had all these little patterns. And it's and it's when it, when you see it done right, like if you look on the cover of Fantastic Four seventy right. that is Kirby Crackle done right. Because you're not supposed to be looking at all the dots and thinking, oh, look, a hive of dots swimming around in space or whatever. You're supposed to be looking at the red area and going, oh, man, look at all that electricity coming off of these sources and surfaces and and you know spanning throughout the galaxy or universe that silver surfer is is uh flying through. Right. And and when it's done right, it looks really good. When I look, unfortunately, when I look at um Wildfire mm-hmm. coming out of his shell,
2: <laughs>
1: I don't think they did the Kirby crackle right.
2: It's I mean, I don't necessarily hate it, but it is it's not as precise. Because Jack would use actual, you know, circles. circles. I mean, yeah, yeah. Draw the circles, and this just feels like it's very loosely inked in. Now, again, this is Dave Hunt again on the inks. You figure that you know he at least had some input on where the where the dark spots are. Mm-hmm. And if I'm looking at this, you know, just looking at the layouts on this issue based on what I know about Starlin in the same time period, like the first appearance of Mongol and things that happened this feels like it may have been very loose Starlin layouts and a lot of Dave Hunt cleaning it up. Yeah. So I, I definitely agree with you that wildfire sequence does look weird. Well, even it also, it, it brings up something that we'll run into next issue about wildfire that I, I, okay. I'm like, yeah. we'll bring it up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But the, the other but thing though, like, it, it's like, and it's not just here. It's not just hunt. It's not just yeah. this issue. It is. I see people even today that are like, okay, here's in the middle of the blast. I will put some black circles in there, too, because it's Kirby dots. And it's like, no, the the dots are not particles streaming out from your energy weapon. The dots are the edges of the energy because of the brightness of the electricity shooting out. And I I don't know, I, I was looking at an example, I think, on the Wikipedia page, and it's got a green lantern shooting something. And it's like, well, Maybe not exactly right. It should be a whole black background around that, but it's not. And, and,
2: you know, it's one of those things where I think that artistic influence has to be taken, but you also do have people who want yeah. to do it their own way.
1: Yep, 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 yep.
2: And if you look at that big yellow halo around Wildfire, that is pretty cool. But I feel like that yellow halo also doesn't need the Kirby knots. You know, I if feel anything,
1: like, if anything, the yellow halo does need the Kirby dots. That's that's <laughs> the way it should be. But uh, whatever.
2: One or the other, you know, I do like you page can't necessarily get away with. Both. I do it's like a, the full page show.
1: of uh, I do like the full page of the Legion headquarters blowing up.
2: Yeah. And it also says Volthoom. I don't know if you know this. Volthoom is actually a reference to uh, a 60s issue of Justice League.
1: Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah. Volthoom back in the 60s was uh, Do you remember the crime syndicate? Yes, the evil I know the Justice League from the Mirror Universe. I, I am very Power, familiar with them. Yeah, Power Ring wore the ring of Volthoom. Volthoom mm. was a crazy evil monk who created Power Ring's Power Ring, which is fun to say. Uh, so I think that that Volthoom there is entirely Jim Starlin going teehee and poking us in the ribs and going, did you see? Did you see? Did yeah, you I see? think
1: I I bet somewhere out there and it may be um, Nate Pecos. Pecos, I don't know how you say his last name over Pecos? at... Um, the blambot, uh, guy. the blambot guy who does all the fonts. Yeah. I bet he has a paper or has written an article somewhere about sound effects in comics. That would be something that I would think would be right up his alley because, oh, man, <laughs> people get very creative when they try to come up with sounds for their explosions. <laughs> and I think it's it's starting right around this time between here and about the mid 90s. People are just doing the craziest words to express the power of the explosion or whatever that's going on in comics. I think today, though, some of the publishers have said, uh-uh, we're keeping it down to these, like, 20 things, and you're not going to deviate right. from these 20 things to to uh, denote a sound effect or something.
2: I Well, if to, you look at, like, Chris Eliopoulos, who does uh, Savage Dragon and also um, Invincible, I believe mm-hmm. he did. Uh, you would see very similar effects with the crackabooms and the flipping Yeah, yeah, but yep, yep, yep. And that's my why favorite I think- is probably Thor in an issue of Hercules who hits something with his hammer, and the sound effects said "gotta thunder."
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's about the. I think that's the high point of of that. And I think it's after that issue where people are like, "No, no, 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 no. We need to. We need to rein this in so people aren't just going a big old explosion. Go,
0: Go crazy."
1: One of the things that we talked about uh, last episode was wildfires visor and how you think that some people think that it's a tv monitor that's bringing things up Mm -hmm. honestly i think because he has a shiny metal visor when you just fill up a panel with just a blank space it looks really dumb and so we only really see these images appearing on his visor in close-ups and we need close-ups because that says that somebody is saying something important, right? And that's that's right. the narrative when we use a close-up like that. But with Wildfire, when you have just a big old blue area that's supposed to represent reflective material, it looks really bad and it looks like there's a mistake. And so I think that the solution is for them to put something in that space that kind of reflects what he's talking about. I really don't think that it's a projector or a projection. Otherwise, why wouldn't he have you know, emoji face on all the time. So we know what he's thinking. Exactly. So
2: I, I, I get it. And as an artistic conceit, it's clever. Mm-hmm. I just don't like it. I like the idea it's of weird. wildfire being a weird alien, freaky guy with a mirror instead of a face. It's kind of neat.
1: You yeah. Know? Yeah. And unfortunately, if you try to reflect Superman into that, it's going to look all distorted because then, th- and that would then take away the import of the last uh, sequence where Wildfire and Superboy are talking, and and Wildfire's like, "Man, I can't believe I blew it all up. Look at all this." The next thing you know, uh, the Fatal Five are going to attack, and then we're all going to be in trouble. And Superboy's just like, "Hey, man, you're really becoming a, a, a Legion member and understanding what it means. With great power comes great responsibility. And no matter what, we will always be the Legion, and we will always be here uh, together and strong. And no matter what comes at us, we will always solve these problems. We will always face these problems head on. And so, I think that's a really cool last sequence." That two-page sequence that we get at the end of the issue where Superboy's just like, no, don't worry about it. We got this. We are the Legion.
2: Yeah, that's nice.
1: Yeah.
0: If you enjoy the show, we would appreciate your support. You can find out more and become a Legion Clubhouse member at patreon.com slash major spoilers. Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes number 252. Postscript to Holocaust. Published June 1978. Written by Jerry Conway with art by Joe Stanton. Synopsis. Matter-eater lad has eaten the miracle machine, but will he survive?
1: So, I am sure anyone who opens up the first page of 252 is probably going, why in the heck are they allowing Brainiac 5 to still just wander around? This guy is a lunatic that tried to destroy the entire universe. Or at least, you know, take it it over as its ruler.
2: Yeah, it's an interesting question because in the, the first two panels, it very much looks like the Legion and Brainiac have come as a group to just view what's going on with Matter Eater Lad. And of course, Matter Eater Lad is plagued by terrible hallucinations from the energies of the miracle machine. Yeah. And and so they come up with a great plan. Are you ready for this great plan? Sure. So there, there's a telepath in the room. Saturn girl, sure. We're going to ignore her. Okay. We're going to let the illusionist and the precognitive somehow project their brains into Matter Eater Lad's brain. And have the telepath just stand there and, I don't know, maybe think about her favorite episode of Grey's Anatomy. Wasn't
1: But wasn't that the thing was that uh, Saturn Girl can't do it because his mind was so messed up that they were afraid of her. That if the other two went in and, and created calming images, that it might uh, calm him down enough to where Saturn Girl could go and do her, her thing. But then it backfired right. because uh, neither one of them are. Yeah, Dream Girl just went in and just screwed
2: everything up. But how does Dream Girl do that? That's not how her powers work. Yeah, I don't know. I I think the implication is that somehow the three of them were working together with illusions, precognitive stuff and and telepathic. -er Yeah, but
1: that that doesn't work. And that's what you get for trusting Brainiac five, which is why two goons come in and lead him off and say, "Okay, back to your padded cell. There, there
2: it is. It is badly written. And that opening sequence is really. Oof, I'm not really happy with what Joe Statton and Dave Hunt do in this sequence, because. First of all, you see Dream Girl show up on a white stallion, and then we cut to a full page, which just kind of Dream Girl is up and sideways, and you can you can kind of see all the way to China. And I'm just like, I do not like this layout. And then something explodes, and there's more Kirby dots, and just it's really confusing. And then of course we get that moment where Matter Eater Lad, who by the way has always had black hair. And it's drawn throughout this issue with brown hair, driving me crazy.
1: That's what happens when you eat the Miracle Machine. Changes
2: your it hair changes color? changes your
1: hair color. Next, wait till next oh. issue when it's blonde. Actually, I think it goes black, brown, redhead, blonde. And yes. then bald.
2: But nonetheless, it does not work. And bad things happen. And the Legionnaires are like, oh, no. And then, of course, Brainiac 5 does get carried off. Because they do open up in what seems to be some sort of... Uh, space asylum mm-hmm. or hospital. Mm-hmm. And then the orderlies come and take away Brainiac five. And it's kind of like, Oh, right. He's also having mental issues. Yeah. He's also ill and being taken away. So yep. I just, that whole opening sequence is confusing and just not, it, it just, doesn't well,
1: it's, for. it's sad because that's the only bit that we get in this entire issue, right? We never go back to anybody discussing anything about Brainiac five no one ever going back and discussing anything, maybe just in in one panel passing or something, anything about Matter Eater Lad. We jump into this uh, weird story about space guys riding the horses, Rangers. the Starburst bandits. And it's really, it's really, I don't know, it felt like a throwback to the time when let's do a uh, castle fantasy, you know, that kind of high fantasy in in space kind of stuff where you've yeah. got guys riding around in their night's... Uh, and we're yeah. talking about men in their Robin Hood costumes and everything. It just was really, really weird.
2: The pacing of this issue is just way off, especially. And this is something else. Do you know what that first sequence, that weird sequence ends with? The two people from uh, Medic Center going, We always pray. And I'm like, Yeah, I mean, I can. <sighs> okay. But then we cut immediately to the starburst.
1: I mean, maybe to- I, I mean, there could be a weird thing in the future where, you know, yeah, I mean- uh, you pray, you pray the insane away. I mean, we we have literal uh, groups around today that that think that of uh, someone who is is a homosexual that they can. And here's the quote that they use. Pray the gay away. Oh. Maybe that's kind of what's going. Maybe they put him in the wrong United Planets Hospital where they try to pray the insanity away. That's a, that is a weird comment that I didn't really notice it's, it until you pointed it out.
2: It's a weird moment. And it's also a moment that feels way out of place because, you know, with certain exceptions, we don't see a lot of spirituality. Right. In the Legion, at least to date. And the stuff that we have seen is more of a kind of, you know, star Trek-y everything in the universe is tied together. You know, I don't want to say the force cause that's not star Trek but you know it, it we to get that moment where we're just like eh we're going to overtly pray i'm like man that feels really odd and then the rest of the issue just flies off onto a tangent and then in the middle of that tangent we have a tangent about RJ brand who has been going bankrupt for like four issues now.
1: Well, I think this is literally only the second issue where he's been bankrupt. And the, and the first time was like three issues ago. And then we had the one where the slime monster hauled him away, but I just like his from
2: outer space.
1: I I just love his continued, uh, denial that he's bankrupt, that he's just like, I refuse to believe that I'm bankrupt. And it's like, Hey, we are the, uh, we the, we're the accounting office of the United Planets or of the galaxy or whatever they are. That's just the, suddenly the accounting Pricewater department house. Yeah, just shows up. United Planets revenue agents. And they're like, the IRS here in the United States does not tell you that you're broke. Your accountant and your bank tells you that you're broke. So the
2: Revenuers are going to steal is still.
1: I just don't understand that whole thing. And I'm guessing that it's going to come up at some point because... The Legion headquarters are destroyed. And at one point, Monel or somebody is like, Well, it's a good thing that uh, RJ Brand has deep pockets so that we can rebuild this. Thank goodness our cruiser wasn't destroyed because without RJ's money, we're going to be in big trouble, which seems like a weird, you know, Chekhov's gun well, uh, kind you of know, thing.
2: Foreshadowing is your key.
1: I mean, it just feels the really problem. bad. It feels like it really uh, ham, ham fisting your foreshadowing is a great way to get a fat lip.
2: Oh, absolutely! Because it immediately goes to a a moment where, and don't get me wrong, I've played Starfleet battle simulators, and I do Lightning Lads. Uh, oh, well,
1: Lightning Lads goes like full to call on it, it,
2: ramming speed.
1: He goes full on Kirk here. There's literally a panel where he is leaning forward in his chair, just like Kirk would do when he's like engage at full speed or whatever. And yeah. they're just ramming speed right into this alien ship that's trying to pull the heart out of the sun. And destroys their destroys their ship, which, you know, it's a good thing R.J. Brand has deep pockets. Which yeah. then, again, makes me think that this entire episode is destroying everything that the Legion has. And I don't know what's, what happens next because I didn't read uh, too many more episodes ahead. But it just makes me feel like, oh, guess what, Legionnaires? You're going to have to downsize for a while because R.J.'s broke and you guys blew up all your stuff.
2: Well, keep in mind, Jerry Conway just came to D.C. after a run on Spider-Man. Yeah. So, you know, being broke and having to put it all together may be a Jerry Conway staple. I feel like for me, the bigger point of this issue, the bigger part that we don't even think about is Dirk. Dirk, son boy. Yes. Morgana, who has the ability to shoot fire and glow, heals Earth's entire son by himself he's powerful he is powerful he's never been this powerful before and to my knowledge he's never this powerful again it's it's pure dirk x
1: well and unfortunately i think that that is kind of a problem a lot of the times with any kind of superhero story but especially with the legion brainiac oh. smart and it's supposed to be the, and he even claims, I'm the smartest person in the entire universe. Um, and yet he makes dumb mistakes. We see Monel just kind of struggling to clean up. And yet we are on the tail end of the Silver Age going into the Bronze Age where he should have been able to clean up all of that rubble within like an hour. You know, five city blocks of rubble within an hour because he has superpowers just like Superboy. Uh, we
2: built s- the entire city inside of an hour.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing that even when we looked at the Kund invasion, uh, that it's just like, why are you guys taking like six months to rebuild the city? You guys could have done this in like five seconds. Also, don't you guys have the little pre-shrunk buildings that you just add a couple of drops of water to and it grows into a full-size building in the future? Come on.
2: We totally have those. Yeah. I, I feel like this issue has a lot of that, though. And it makes me wonder about Jerry Conway's familiarity with the Legion because we get a point where... Saturn girl is in battle. Lightning lad gets knocked down. Saturn girl is thrown, thrown into a rage and starts kicking people in the face. Thank like you do. Yeah. One of these, uh, by the way, the, uh, starburst bandits, the rainbow Raiders, whatever the yeah. hell they are. Yeah. Their faces are pure. <laughs> horror. I mean, it, it's it, pretty it,
1: cool. It's, I want somebody it with looks a, looks
2: like the devil tried <laughs> to carve Tammy yeah. Faye Baker out of red play doh. I want animated it with the souls of dead children.
1: I want one of our listeners out there who does, uh, you know, some three D modeling and three D printing to make us a life size mask of the uh, of the Starburst Raider's head I and send it our way. I will I will wear it and take pictures no. of it and show show <laughs> people. If you can I do that, I, I would I would think that that would be really cool. If you could build something like that, I think that would be if really neat. I come
2: to my house, and you're sitting in my chair. In oh, I won't be. You don't ever bad. have to
1: worry about that.
2: Yeah, I know. <laughs> you come uh, to my city like five times a year, and every time you're like, oh, yeah, hey, I forgot to tell well, you. Well,
1: hey, you'll be happy to know in the last year, I haven't come to Topeka
2: once. We were in the same city this weekend, and you know it.
1: Mm, you were in Great Bend? Yes. Where were you in Great Bend for?
2: No, I was in Kansas City. I yeah, was at the Hello Kitty
1: Cafe. Yeah, well, see, I was nowhere near a Hello Kitty Cafe. How anyway, you know? <laughs> well, I know where I was. Uh, anyway, that's kind of how this issue ends, and I think it's just kind of a, a bridging story arc to get to, oh my, we're all out of money. What are we going to yeah. do now as the Legion? I guess we'll have to start charging people for our services?
2: Boy, I hope not. Oh, they tried, I, I that. they
1: tried that once before, right? I mean, they, I they've tried that in a previous comes, issue.
2: Oh, I do remember what comes next.
1: I was trying to jump forward in my, in my reading, but...
2: Uh, well, this is the thing. What comes next is a, is oh, a great be a, moment for a Legion fan like me.
1: They're going to be attacked by some bad guys, and then uh, something else happens, and a then something else somebody
2: happens. somebody is about to make his or her first appearance.
1: Oh, yeah? Who's that going to be?
2: A certain somebody.
1: Is it, is it Jimmy Olsen?
2: It's not Jimmy Olsen. Jimmy Olsen first appeared in like
1: 1940, dude. Is it, is it Tyrock? Because we haven't seen Tyrock in like a million issues.
2: Well, how would that be his first appearance?
1: Is it going to be Tommy Tomorrow? I will end you. Where does Tommy Tomorrow fit in this whole uh, timeline? I mean, we, I know recently when when Brian Michael Bendis was doing his, his Legion thing, that, that there's uh-huh. a Tommy Tomorrow seg- segment of earth's history that comes before legion history is that right. still the way it is yes it goes it goes no. like it goes normal earth that we know of command tommy tomorrow and then the legion of superheroes
2: in the post-crisis oh, reality, uh, where does omak go
1: he doesn't go in Tom, in where does OMAC go?
2: in the post-crisis reality commandy and Omac are in fact the same person
1: oh okay Really?
2: And Commandy, yes, Commandy was saved uh, from the bunker by Tommy Tomorrow.
1: Oh, okay.
2: And he would have been Buddy Blank, but he wasn't. So Tommy Tomorrow actually uh, comes in. I think the 1990s and the 2000s. Oh, okay. The far-flung future year 1988.
1: Or so, something. so they're trying to use Tommy Tomorrow in place of Buddy Blank.
2: No. They're saying that all these realities sort of happened, but it was Tommy Tomorrow who found. Oh, that's Bunny in the Bendis. That's in, in the Bendis.
1: That's the Bendis uh, run.
2: No, that's the post crisis 1986. Oh,
1: oh post 86. Okay.
2: Streamlined uh, prime reality. Uh, they,
1: they've, they've changed that a couple of times since then, Matthew.
2: Oh, they have. They've changed everything a couple of times. It's just dumb. Uh, the last time I saw Tommy Tomorrow,
1: <laughs> was, was in it this like week's uh, major spoilers. Was in this week's major spoilers podcast. What's it? Yeah, he shows up in like one or two panels as somebody else.
2: Oh, yeah, he's evil in that. I yeah, forgot about yeah, yeah,
1: sure. yeah, yeah. Go, go
2: check no, out. Maybe I'll put it. If you're listening to this
1: after the fact, I think I may have already put the major spoilers podcast for this week into your Legion feed. So if you're listening and you're wondering why was there a major spoilers podcast in my Legion feed, it's because we were talking about Star Trek meets the Legion of Superheroes. Uh, and I'm and I'm sharing love. If you want more comic book uh, goodness with other cool people, go and check out our other shows, The Major Spoilers Podcast, Doodling Review, Critical Hit, uh, Top 5, and so many more. So much yeah. good stuff that we do over at Majorspoilers.com. Bottom line for me is I'm kind of disappointed mm-hmm. in this whole arc. And I can understand why Jim Starlin, a.k.a. Steve Apollo, who we never heard from again, um, why he would walk away from the Legion after this. Because this story could have been really great and it just kind of fell flat on its i wouldn't say flat on its face but it it stumbled and fell really hard yeah. and i'm still left with the question of is does brainiac does he rule the universe is he insane and the the well so what is he is he is he insane for forever or is he is he using his 12th level intellect to fake everyone out to make you think question. that he's sane
2: the question that I have is whether the original story would have ended with Brainiac still, you know, mentally ill had they followed like the a psycho original Starlet plan. like a
1: psycho pirate ending like we saw in Crisis right. on Infinite Earth
2: or something where we discovered that, you know, his his mind was being affected by the miracle machine or remember the secret guy in the hoodie? No, I don't. The jerk in the hoodie? Yeah, there was a secret guy in the hood who was behind the whole thing uh, a couple of issues ago. Yeah, and that was that was Brainiac. Anyway. That's no. Brainiac. No, yeah, that's we Brainiac. Haven't, they haven't revealed who it is yet. We'll get there.
1: Oh, so it's not Brainiac. I just figured it was Brainiac doing a, a crazy uh suddenly no. I'm evil, so I must dress like a costume and then I'm gonna record this holographic projection to fool everyone into thinking that uh that I'm somebody else.
2: Something else is happening, and, and what it's really going to be is a bunch of uh retcon thread tying. But yeah, this particular issue, these both of these issues, 251 suffers greatly from being rewritten. 252 suffers from that awkward moment of, hey, we're going to make a severe right turn now and not deal with any of the ramifications of what just happened because the new writer wants to go somewhere else. Yeah. And it just makes for a really disturbing couple of episodes.
1: Yeah. I guess I have one last question. Mm-hmm. You know, now that he's eaten the miracle machine... Do you think that you can just like rub Matter Eater Lad's tummy and make a wish? And because he has all of the miracle machine energies inside of him, he could make your your wishes come true.
2: Ask me again when we get to
1: nineteen ninety. Oh, there we go. That wraps it up for this installment of the Legion Clubhouse. Thank you everyone for downloading and checking us out this week. Matthew, what did we learn?
2: We learned that if you're a Kolu'an, you may be insane or you may just be a callous jerk.
1: I think we also learned that the Miracle Machine can only go so far, it does have a self-destruct button, and that is Matter Eater Lad.
2: (laughs) And most importantly, we learned that even though Wildfire's energy used to be invisible, which is how his whole origin came around when he was killed as Erg One, it's also not invisible now, though it will be invisible again soon. So stick around for that, I guess.
1: Yeah, also a bad example of Kirby Dots. Anyway, thank you so much for joining us this week, everyone. We certainly appreciate all of your support, all of your feedback. Check us out at patreon.com slash major spoilers so that you can help this show continue into the far, far future. And until next time, I'm not insane, man. You are.
0: And I'm Steve Hephaestus. The Legion Clubhouse is a production of Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC, and is produced by Steven Schleicher. Your hosts were Matthew Peterson and Steven Schleicher. You can follow Matthew at Mighty King Cobra and Steven at Major Spoilers. You can follow this podcast on Twitter at Legion Clubhouse. If you have questions or comments, send them to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. I'm Jason Inman. Until next time, eat it, Grandpa.
1: This podcast is copyright 2021 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.